So today we look at another parable as we continue our series uh, to give us insight on the words of Jesus. How many know, man, there's no word like Jesus' words, right? I mean, a lot of words can be spoken of your life, but the word of God is the greatest word. He has a better word than any other word that you'll ever receive. So today, we look to the words of Jesus in another form of a parable. So if you're, if you're with me, turn your Bibles or you can follow us on the screen. We're going to be in Luke chapter 8 this morning. Luke chapter 8. The sermon notes are available on our app. So if you, want to, if you don't have our app, download our app and you can click on sermon notes and all the sermon notes are available to you there. All right, so let's dive in this. Luke chapter 8, uh, we'll start here, verses 4 through 11. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. Man, that's just who Jesus was. Like He attracted the crowds everywhere he went. Verse 5, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell along the rocky ground. And when it came up, the plants withered because there was no moisture. Other seeds fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seeds fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times, more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears, let them hear. Right? In verse 9, his disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to others I speak in parables, so that through seeing they may not see, through hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. All right, so we're going to unpack that little section today, right? So here we're presented with what is known as the parable of the sower. Uh, also maybe known as the parable of the soil or, or the seed. All represent this parable here. And the idea uh, behind uh, this idea of parable is to throw alongside of. To throw alongside of. It, it's the story that's thrown alongside a truth that Jesus is trying to teach here. They've also been called earthly stories with a heavenly meaning. Right? So we're kind of going to unpack this. And this specific you can't say that word today. All right. Specific parable appears in actually all three of the synoptic gospels. That's Matthew, that's Mark, and that's Luke. So what's great about this is I love just, you can see when you're reading different books, right, where Matthew, man, you get the detailed story. You want to you go the real detailed? Matthew was a methodical person, man. He, the details is in there. But today, we keep it nice and short with Luke because Luke's just, hey, let's just get to the point. All right, we're moving on. Um, so it's in all three, and Jesus, here Jesus is speaking according to the agricultural customs of his day. So this was very profound, and Jesus knew the crowd he was speaking to. He's, he's Jesus, right? So, so, right, my message for today is entitled, All I Got is a Seed. Why don't you say, All I Got is a Seed? Tell your neighbor. All I Got is a Seed. So the parable of the sower invites us invites us and its hearers, those who listen, to action so that we would receive this message to full benefit. And we'll discover two principles, and I want to talk about these two principles here uh, to take away from the parable of the sower. We're going to dive right in. Number one is seeds have potential. 
Seeds have potential, right? So, so, so seeds come in different shapes and sizes, but, but every seed carries within it the potential and the promise of what it can be, right? Of what it could become. It has the potential, and it carries, in essence, a, a prototype or a blueprint to what it could be if it was invested, if you, were, if you were to put it in the right place, give the sun, give it some water, and let it grow. It has the potential to do that. So with this parable brings this principle that the seed has potential. It has great potential. That in the proper place with the essential ingredients, right, it can be something great. It can produce something not just for ourselves, but for the people that, are, that surrounds us. Or, or in, in essence of the seed, the things that surround the seed. And there's two things to note here regarding this truth that Jesus is speaking. So two potentials I want to talk about. is a potential in the seed. So, so first thing is potential to scatter. There's, there's a potential to scatter seeds. But right here we go to the word. A seed has the potential to scatter, but only if the farmer is willing to sow them. The potential is tied to the work. How many like to work out there? Come on, let me see your hands. All right, I know, I know some workaholics out there. It's okay. I see you. I see your heart. Um, but right, there's something about I can't take a seed and plant it in the ground and expect something unless I actually have to do the work. Work is tied to the potential, right? You, you get what I'm coming from there? So Luke chapter 8, verse 5, it says, a farmer, he went out to sow. So this implies like, He's got to do something, right? A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, right? So he's scattering the seed. He's, he's throwing it along all, all these grounds, and right, and it says here it fell on all types of ground. We talk about the wayside, the rocky ground, the, the thorny soil, the good soil. We have four. We're going to unpack that a little later. But this implies here that the farmer, he wasn't intentional with where he was throwing his seed. He was just scattering the seed, Right, and I, and I think there's some, some powerful truth here that Jesus says he's, he's just scattering the seed everywhere. But I had this question in mind is, doesn't that seem just wasteful? Like, how many of you out there are like, you, you have a, like a plants or you, you have a garden? Anybody over here? All right, a couple. I see a couple hands. Right? So you know that if you have a garden, man, it takes a lot to maintain that garden. Man, we, <laughs> Me and my wife, we, we, for these past several months, we've had flowers, and they've been in our yard. And when we first planted them, man, they were doing great. And then now, uh, they ain't doing so great, all right? <laughs> they ain't doing so great. I'm not going to lie to you. There's been weeds that has come up around the flowers, and, they, I mean, they just don't look that pretty anymore. But there's this idea that there's work tied to it. But I love this idea, like, if you're planning to produce something, right, some of us have especially in this COVID time, everybody's going to, to Home Depot and Walmart and there's like, let's get the seeds because who knows what's going to happen in this world. We better be providing for our family. We're going to have carrots. We're going to have onions. We're going to have a whole nine yards, all right? <laughs> we don't know what happened with these stores, okay? Um, so anyways, a lot of people are getting into gardening and planting, I've noticed. But, but see, the, what's interesting here is rather than carefully putting the seed only on the good soil, the, the, the sower is just, just throwing it, right? Doesn't it seem so wasteful? And maybe onto one mind, it might seem very lazy. Like you go out just be like, whatever, just cast this seed, cast this seed. But here, I think it's, it's really important to know that in those days, seed was scattered first, and then it was plowed into the ground. It was scattered first, so for the most part, you didn't know the quality 
of the ground until after the sowing was done. And, and to help us understand this, we first should remember what Jesus said earlier in Luke chapter 5, verse 31. He says this, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Catch this for a moment. Christ makes it clear that he came to rescue sinners, right? Right? So he, he signifies here the farmer. He, he, he represents the farmer in the story. And his main purpose and goal is to bring salvation. Why is that? Because his word is for everybody. His word is for everybody. He's not just particularly saying, okay, the good soil, you deserve this. You deserve that. You deserve this. No, my word is for all people. And I'm going to scatter, and for those who want to listen to it, who those who want to actually receive and catch it, that is totally up to the person who hears. If we're not careful, we make the gospel a singular thing. Can I, can I be open and honest with you, church? We are thankful for the grace of God that, that came to us. But we look at all the other people around us and we think, they're not good enough for God's word. They're not good enough to receive that. You see the situations, the mistakes, and the things, the situations that they're in currently, that is just not a good place. But that does not disqualify them from receiving the word if they choose to do so. The word of God is for everybody. Amen? So we don't serve a stingy God, can I tell you? He's not a stingy God. He, he, he's not picking and choosing. He, 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 he gives it to those who want to accept it. Everyone and anyone who's willing to hear and accept his word. So I love this. I love Jesus. You know how, you ever read scripture and you're just like, Jesus says something. You're like, Jesus, you're the man. Like, come on, I got to be more like Jesus. You want to be more like Jesus? I hope so. I hope so. Verse 8, he says this. After he said this, the whole, the whole essence of the parable, he called out, whoever has an ear, let him hear. See, he didn't whisper. He called it out, right? So he, he, shouted, he shouted real far so the people in the back could hear him. Whoever has an ear, I want you to grab your ear right now. Grab, grab your ears. If you have, I don't got two hands, but you can have, you have two hands, you can grab both ears. I want you to repeat this after me. Whoever has an ear, let him hear. Right? So that's totally on you. Even as I speak the words out of my mouth today, you can receive it. It's totally up to you. So I love Jesus because what he's saying here is evidently it's possible to have ears and not hear. Right? It's so real, actually. You know, the husbands and wives be like, some wives be like nodding their husband right now. Or, or, your, or your partner, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, right? Because that's so true. In marriage, I find, whew, I got, I got two ears, but I need help. <laughs> I need lots of help. All right? So, right, have you ever been in a conversation with somebody? And you're literally talking to the person. Um, and there's two ways sometimes, Right? Sometimes you're the person that you're staring at them and your brain just went somebody else and somewhere else and you're like, yeah, I forgot. I got to take the trash out. And they're like, oh, yeah, I'm telling you the life story. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm from like, I'm from Colorado and this is, you know, this is what I do for work. And, and then you come back to the conversation and you're like, yeah, and that's pretty much it. I'm like, oh, oh um, I was thinking about my trash. I'm sorry. <laughs> right? So there's something about listening is an active thing. We talked about that last week, too, in, in context of Pastor Dion's message. Waiting is an active thing, and listening is an active thing as well. Jesus knew that there was a large crowd before him, and many would hear a story but still not actually come away with anything because they didn't have the proper key to open the door to something greater than themselves. 
And you can like the teacher, you can like the teaching, you can like everything that he's saying and still not receive the message. That's totally within the person who has the ears. Luke, uh, continuing Luke chapter 8 here, verses 9 and 10 says, His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to others I speak in parables, so that through seeing they may not see, through hearing they may not understand. So, right, I, I love this because the disciples have a backstage pass to understanding what Jesus is trying to say. Man, sometimes I wish that we had Jesus right by our side, like, yo, Jesus, what did you mean by this? Can you just explain that to me real fast? Like, that would be pretty helpful, right? But they, they had a backstage pass to understand the mysteries, which it translated mysteries is, is the secrets, the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. And see, as, as Jesus used these parables, they were more like puzzles. They were more like riddles than illustrations, and only those who had the right key could understand them. And the disciples, catch this, the disciples who wanted the things of God, they wanted them, key, key word there, were given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. They could be spoken to plainly because of that, right? But often others were taught in parables. So if you do not understand or have the key to the parable, you do not understand it at all. We can imagine what kind of different people would be responding to God's word, right? So I want to kind of have, there's a couple of responses here. Can you imagine what the farmer thought, right, as Jesus is speaking this parable to this crowd? Let's say there's a farmer in the crowd, and he's like, you know what? He's telling me that I need to be more careful in the way I cast my seed. I guess I've been wasteful. I've been very, very wasteful, right? The politician, maybe there was a politician in the crowd. He, he, he was like, you know, he's telling me that I need to begin a farm, a farm education program to help farmers more efficiently cast their seed. Yeah, this makes sense. This will boost my re-election campaign. Right? Like so, so they're all taking it for whatever they want it to be based on their situation. But see, the disciples actually wanted to know what God had to offer, the mysteries of the kingdom. So they had the key to open the door to understand. But for some of these, for some of them, if you don't understand that the seed is the word of God, then we're missing the point of the message. Right? So Jesus knew that there would be many who missed it. But, but he still chooses to scatter. He chills, still chooses to sow into everyone, right? That's the gospel. There's not one of us who don't deserve the good news of grace and mercy. And he lavishes on us. And aren't you thankful for his grace this morning? I'm just so thankful that he, 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 he chose a wretched sinner like me to say, oh, I can still throw a seed in there and see what happens. And I, and I know you all have a story to tell. We could pass this microphone around the room. We could hear your story of what God has done for you and why you're thankful to, to be in relationship with him. But the gospel is not just for me. It's for everybody. So none of them could understand the spiritual meaning until Jesus explained the key, until he gave them the key to comprehend. This brings us to the second potential, which is the potential to grow. Right, seeds have potential, potential to scatter, the second is potential to grow, right? So continuing in verse, verse 11 in chapter 8 here, this is so good. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. So I want to stop there because if we read it too fast, we're going to miss it. We're going to miss it if we read it too fast, so let's read that again. The seed is the word of God. So what is he saying here? In other words, the seed is the key, and that's all you need. 
Man, that's so good at rhymes. Tell somebody, the seed is the key. That's all you need, bro. <laughs> but when the word of God comes to you, it only comes to you in seed form. And today, I have a little illustration for you. Um, be, and I have a seed. I brought a seed with me. Here's the seed. And this is my tree. And you know what? This is what's great. So even as I'm speaking the words to you right now, I'm speaking God's word to you. And I, and I give to you, I wanted all of you to have seeds today, but I didn't have time for that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was going to buy a bunch of seeds at Home Depot, rip the package open, put them in single packs, and have you get them on the way in. But that just didn't work out, and I'm sorry. But I want you to know that even in the words that I speak today, you're getting a seed. You're getting the seed, the word of God, and what you do with this seed is totally on you. As you walk out of these four walls, it's totally on you. See, it doesn't matter how much you like the word of God, how much you, you love the word of God, how much you read the word of God. It's what we do with the word of God in our lives. So today I have the seed, and, and this is an orange seed, and before me I have an orange tree. Man, this, cost, this illustration cost me, all right? I'm just going to tell you, this tree was 40 bucks, all right? But see, God's word is worth 40 bucks. Can I tell you that, all right? See, but when we're presented with the word of God, it's much like this seed. This is what you get. But it's the potential and the, and the, the capability to grow and to become an orange tree. And, and right, and what, what, what will it produce? Oranges. So can I tell you that this seed in my hand, this is in this. This is in this, but the work is required to get the fruit. How many like oranges out there? Yeah, if you stay around, maybe I'll give it to you after third service. <laughs> but, see, although this tree has not yielded fruit yet, if you come real close, you can actually see the, 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 the oranges coming off the stems there. It's growing. It, it, it's, it's in the right place to, uh, well, we got to put it in the ground, but you get the point. It's in the right place to to get to that point. And when you get the word of God, you get the seed, not the fruit. And what's important here is in order for this seed to become an orange tree, in order for this orange tree to produce an orange, it needs to be put in a situation where it can become one. It needs to be put in the right soil. It needs water. It needs nourishment. It needs to be in the sun so that the rays can continue to grow it up and, and the roots continue to go down into the deep soil. But ultimately, it needs time. It needs time to grow. And I think, right, sometimes we want the fruit without the root. We want the fruit of God. We want the the. The, the things that come with being a Christian and the things that come with being a disciple, but there's a process to it. I don't just get the orange. I got to plant the seed. I got to nourish the seed. I got to continue to grow it to when it's a small tree. Then when the tree gets big, then the fruit will come. And it, it, it gives me fruit. And then guess what? I get some fruit to share with others. Hey, you want some oranges? Come on. It's important to note that if we desire growth, it will require, require work. So I want you just to think of that picture before you today. When G what Jesus is trying to say here is that there's no cutting corners in your spiritual growth. There's no cutting corners. If you want the fruit, we got to continue to plant that seed. Make sure we're sowing it, right? we got to scatter. We have to help grow it. And in the, in the place where it lands matters so much so. So because 
Jesus represents the sower in this parable, there's also a call for you and me to farm, to be the farmer in this story, right? To sow into others, to share the word of God with everyone. Because when you're flourishing, when you're fruitful, you can't help but pick a fruit off and give it to somebody else. You can't help but overflow with, man, I got too many oranges here. I need to give some oranges to some other people. I can't hold on to all my oranges, right? Some, you know how you have a good neighbor and they're like, yo, I got some avocados for you. I got some, I got some fruit. Here you go. I just had plenty. I just wanted to give it to you. That's the word of God right there. I got so much that I need to give it to somebody else. And, and, I, and I hope you catch this today because all you may see is a seed, but that seed has potential. That seed has so much potential to grow, but it's entirely up to us, the sowers, the, the, the hearers to apply to receive the word of God. It's our responsibility. Say it's my responsibility. Amen. Hope we're hearing something today. <laughs> so all, all you may have is a seed, but that seed has potential. And this leads us to our, our second principle. And it's this. A seed's growth is determined by its soil. A seed's growth is determined by the soil in which it is planted in. And we're going to kind of unpack this. So, so what does that mean for you and I? Your overall growth, my overall growth, is contingent on my ability, on your ability, to receive. How, how are you receiving things? You ever been in a relationship with somebody and some, sometimes you, you have words spoken to you and right, you know they're true. You know that you got to maybe have to work on something but you just can't receive it. And there's something about understanding that I, if I, if I want to grow, if I, and God's calling me to change, and the dead must die, the weeds, the, the thorns, they, they got to go if I want a healthy tree, if I want a healthy life. And sometimes I think pe- God sends people in our lives to call us out in things, but are we receiving his word? God, you read the scriptures and you, right, you ever read the scripture and you get so convicted of what God is trying to speak over you and you're like, man, I have to receive this, but man, it's hard to change. See, the level of acceptance towards something will define the level of produce in your life. I love that the success of the seed has nothing to do with the seed. This is, the success of this seed has nothing to do with the seed, but it has everything to do with where the seed lands. And if God's word is not working in your lives, because I think sometimes I hear this excuse that God's word isn't, isn't, isn't true, it doesn't work, and it's old-fashioned. But if God's word isn't working in your life, I think you've got to check the ground it landed on. I think we've got to take a look at the ground and the soil that maybe the seeds have fallen on. And I don't say this to condemn you, and I pray the Holy Spirit would convict you, but that's not my job. But I know that I look at my own life, and I think there's some work. I've got to take some tools and maybe some of this ground is too hard. Maybe there's too many weeds. And, and I think we have to work on that. And if God's word isn't working, we have to evaluate the soil. So right, so here we go. So the, the sower scatters these seeds generously. That's what I love. He, he scatters them generously, and he ends up on, ends up on four different terrains. We're going to kind of talk about that here. Some lands on the side of the road, some on the rocks, others in the thorny soil. And then lastly, what God is really trying to get us to understand is when it lands on the good Soil. So here, right, we're going to continue in verse 12 to 15 and here in Luke chapter 8. Jesus actually gives the disciples an interpretation to what the parable means. This is actually one of the only records of Jesus giving an interpretation 
of one of his parables. But you see, he's given it to his disciples, those who have, his, have the key already. So catch this, right? He's compelling the listener to ask a very important question. And I want you to ask this question to yourself today. What kind of soil am I? What kind of soil am I? And as we go through these soils, this kind of, as we kind of like begin to land this plane, we're going to unpack these soils. But as we kind of talk about it, we're, you could see yourself in maybe all of them. Maybe you can see yourself in a couple of them. Evaluate where you're at. You know me. As soon, every time I, I talk to you guys, you get a chance to, to speak. I always I talk about evaluation. Evaluate, evaluate. You got to look at your life and see what am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? How am I receiving? How, how, am, I, how, am, I, how am I giving? Right? So Luke chapter 8 verse 12 says, those along the path, those the seeds along the path are the ones who hear. And the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Right? So the wayside. The wayside refers to a path along the field. So it's, it's on the field, but this path has become so hardened due to the foot traffic. It's received over the time. Right? So this is the main path of where everyone is walking to get to the different parts of this field, the other, maybe to the other crops. And the seed has fallen over there. But see, the problem with this is the seed can't penetrate the soil. It's just laying there because it's not soft enough for the seed and the soil to grab a hold. So what happens, right? The birds of the air, the birds come, they snatch them up because, man, that's some great food. Any kind of creature who, who wants some seeds to munch on, it's theirs. And in the same way, this represents the hard heart. This, this soil represents the hard heart. The wayside is the hard heart. They hear the word of God but never believe. And... The word of God must be understood before we can actually truly bear fruit. We'll never bear fruit unless we truly understand uh, what, what God is trying to say. And one of Satan's chief works, one of his, his primary tactics is to keep men and women in the darkness regarding the understanding of the gospel. And even to try to take you like, I don't understand it as, as well as I need to, so I, it disqualifies me from receiving. He wants to keep you blind from the truth. Keep this culture blind from the truth of God's word. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 to 4 says, Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, those who don't know the good news. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. He wants to blind you. Satan is one dirty scoundrel, and he wants to take your eyesight away. He wants to take your ears away so that you, you don't understand what God is trying to say. But can I tell you this? The devil's no fool. He's not, he's not dumb. He's a smart, and he has tactics. He knows the power and potential that the seed has to offer, that the word of God has to offer, that what it could produce in, in, in your life. And what that fruit will do is it will totally, totally shut down the enemy. So maybe your life represents the wayside. There's been situations, there's been hurts that's hard in your heart from truly receiving what God is wanting to plant within you. The wayside, right, it's you're, you've become hardened, become hardened, right? Maybe you've been hurt in so many different situations. Maybe in the church you've been hurt. That's such a real thing that we equate, because I've been hurt in the church, that must be Jesus. But it's not and I think the, the important thing is to know that we need to understand that we, our hearts have been hardened. 
our hearts have been hardened and, and that the hearers that do not believe are robbed from the enemy, from any creature or bird that comes through and through. He wants to plan something great in your life. So, right, we have the wayside, the wayside, the hard heart. The second Jesus talks about is the rocky ground, the rocky ground. The rocky ground wasn't a bunch of rocks, right? I want to kind of get, get you to picture this. I wanted to have a bunch of illustrations up today, but I was trying to keep it real simple. Um, you know, I'm always having these great ideas, and I'm like, Ben, you need to cool it. You need to calm down, bro. Wait, we just ain't one like great production, okay? We we gotta we gotta take it down low, all right? So I'm always trying. I'm always having these great ideas that never 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 find its way, but it's totally okay. So the rocky ground is not just a bunch of rocks. It was more like a thin layer of soil that was over like a limestone or or rocks, right? The the seed could sprout quickly because the soil was warm and loose at the top, but it lacked depth. It was too hard after the, after the soil was done, and it, it lacked depth. So the roots could never go deep within the soil. Right? Con- continue in verse 13. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in time of testing, they fall away. See, if the wayside was the hard heart, the rocky ground represents the shallow heart. The shallow heart. So what is Jesus saying here? There will be people who appear to understand, right? These people appear to understand and receive the message with great joy. Man, wasn't that a great word today? Man, that was a good word. But see, it'll be a flash in the pan, a moment, and then we're back to doing what we usually do, right? There's, there's not enough depth for the seed to actually take root in our hearts because our hearts have become so shallow. Have you ever attended a conference? We just had a conference this past week, and, and there's something about being, uh, we, we were online, uh, Pastor Dion and Alicia, they went there physically, but we were online, but still, yeah, there's something about being around that atmosphere that just fires you. You're like, man, I'm getting some good word here. Man, I really is fueling the fire. And right, you ever been at a conference or maybe in a service where the speaker's giving so many good points of truth and it's really building you up that maybe it's a motivational talk and it's like, yo, this guy's on fire. He's really building me. Man, I'm getting real pumped. Let's go. Oh, let's go for Jesus. Man, I'm on fire for Jesus. There's nothing that's going to stop me. And then something in life breaks your stride. Right? Ever been on fire for Jesus and then something in life happens and it throws you off? Right? Maybe you get sick. Maybe uh, someone in your life gets sick. Maybe you lost your job. Right? I know that's been happening a lot lately. Even when we first started this whole, this whole pandemic. Maybe you've, you lose a family member. You're going through hard times and... and, and you're maybe tempted by someone or something in your life that is trying to pull you away from what the word is trying to do. And, and, and it's like if I had a plant here and I, and, I, and I gradually just left it here and I go, it, that is exactly what this rocky ground is representing because it has no roots. And then any wind and any storm that comes our way will blow us over and we'll wonder, man, God, why weren't you there? I cannot trust your word. You're not good. But really, the word just has never sunk in, and we've never believed it. And that doesn't, can I just tell you, that doesn't take away from the difficulty of the situations, okay? And hopefully, hopefully those situations, they draw you more to God. 
But oftentimes I think it's so real to, to push us further away. And for some, it's, it's, it becomes a superficial faith that springs up at time in a, in a good moment. And the moment something difficult happens, it gets blown away. And, and the root's never caught. And, and we, we ask God, God, I can't believe you. God, God, why would you let this happen? I just can't trust you. Your word isn't good. You're not a good God. And God, God knows your heart. Can I tell you that today? He guarantees hardship. He literally tells us to be a disciple, you have to expect persecution. You got to expect it. You are going against the grain. That is what God called us to. You are a fish swimming, swimming, swimming. We making up new words. This is, this is a Pastor Ben version, all right? We swimming. <laughs> swimming against the current. That's the gospel, right? And God knows you, and, it, and, and here he, he, he lets you know that you're going to face hard times, but if you're, rooted, if you're not rooted deep enough into the soil, you will get blown away by any storm and anything that comes in your life. It's an opportunity for you and I to grow deeper or be uprooted by the storms of life when we have the seed in our hands. He says there's another soil here, right? The hard heart, the shallow heart. But the, last, uh, the, the third is the thorny soil, which is the crowded heart. It's become cr- crowded. Too, mu- too, too much in there to make room for Jesus. Verse 14, the seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. These, these thorns, these weeds, are choking us to the point where we're not maturing in God. And sometimes we question, why, Lord, do I feel like I'm in the same place that I was, was 10 years ago in my faith? And I think maybe we have to reevaluate the distractions in our lives, the, 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 the money, the, the entertainment, social media, the things that have maybe pulled us back from what God is trying to do. See, the, 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 the crowded heart, it symbolizes this, this thorny ground person is filled with the cares of this world and the thought that they may receive the worldly means and there's no room for God. There's no room for his word. I love what William Henderson says. A heart filled with worry with respect to the workday world and be clouded by dreams about riches thwarts any influence for good that might otherwise proceed from the entrance of the kingdom message. Such a heart is preoccupied. It has no room for calm and earnest meditation on the word of the Lord. When's the last time you just took a moment to just meditate on God's word? I, it's a practice I'm still working on, if I'm being honest with you. Right, because there's something about us that we, we're not good at just sitting. We're not good at just waiting on the Lord. There's something that just happens when we sit. Read a verse and just sit on that. The seed represents the word of God. Sit on that for a moment. Let it sink in. Right? But I think, are we making room for God in our lives? We desire the word of God, and, but we also de- desire a lot of the things in this life. And I'm not saying those, those things aren't bad. Right? You need a little bit of money to, to, to live. You need, you need a car to, to get to where you need to go. Um, but it's just the amount of things. Right? Or, or sometimes it's nice to watch a good movie, entertainment. But I think some of these things have, have plagued us. Social media has taken a hold of our hearts. Can I tell you, man, this week I, I, I started taking note of myself. You ever pick up your phone to open Facebook, and as soon as you open it, you're like, why am I here? 
I caught myself, I, I lost track. I lost track. Can I be honest with you? I pick up my phone, and I'm like, I'm in the middle of doing something. I'm like, why am I even holding this right now? It's like my brain has trained me that, oh, I'm not doing anything right now. Let me pull my phone out and go on Facebook or Instagram, or let me be distracted by this thing. And I don't know what these phones are doing to us, but I'm literally, I literally just say, man, why do that? I put it down. Two minutes later, I pick it back up again. I'm like, what the heck? Right? I hope, I hope I'm not the only one. And you're like, I don't even need to be on here right now. Anyways, I'm spiraling. Ben, bring it in. But we have all these things that are choking out the word of God in our lives. And, and the, right, these things are, are good and, and they're, they're fun and, and they provide us some entertainment. But have you made room in your heart for God's word today? Have you made room in your heart for God's word? And, and we want to move to this last soil as we kind of wrap things up here. Uh, the, the last soil, uh, God's hope for our life is to be the good soil. The good soil. It sounds so good. Some of you are like, oh, Pastor Ben, thank God we're finally talking about the good soil. Amen. Right? So the good soil, uh, verse 15. But the seed of, uh, on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hears the word, retains it, and by persevering, produce a crop. I love that key word, persevering, because they hear, they understand, but, but you got to persevere. Because life is difficult. You're going to have distractions. You're going to have situations that pull you away from God. How many know, you, you, even when you're, you're on a stride and you're following the Lord and you get so caught up in life, it's a real thing. The distractions, we need to persevere through it. This is the key. God's word is the key. And this ground obviously refers to the soil that's ideal for planting, but it, it, it's, it's not too hard, it's not too shallow, or it's, it's not crowded by other things, by the thorns and the weeds that might grow up in our lives. But this kind of ground can produce crops with fruitfulness. Fruitfulness. God desires you to be fruitful. And you can read his word, and you can go and you can read that fruitfulness is a product of being a disciple. It's just what comes with it, right? So, and, 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 and botanists would, 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 would tell you that the soil determines the health and the strength of the plant. The better the soil, the healthier, the more fruitful, the more strong the plant will become. Let's read uh, Matthew chapter 13, verse 23. So in Matthew, this is actually Matthew's version of the story, the parable of the sower, right? Like I said, he goes into detail. I encourage you to read this this week. Matthew chapter 13. He, does, he leaves no detail out. But he says this in verse 23. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Catch that last part. I love this because it reminds us that there's no need to compare fruit with other people. You don't got to compare the fruit that you're producing with the fruit that some other believer is producing in their lives. And, and, and I, right, it says some yielding 100 60 or 30 times what is sown right this is kind of what he was, he's talking about even with the parables of the talents the the key here is that you're producing yes quantity matters but quality in the word of god will always matter more than quantity but we need to bring people along with us we need to invite them to church we need to share the good news of joy with them but the principle here is is that we would bear fruit not how much fruit because all of us, and we can get caught in this, this, 
this comparison trap that I'm not doing enough like this person over here. Man, I got 30 oranges on my tree, but look, this guy's got 100 oranges. Man, he's really doing good. But God just wants you to be fruitful. And see, for you, if 30 oranges is what you got, man, you, you got some oranges for yourself, but you got plenty to give to the people around you. Amen? Do you remember the success of the seed has nothing to do with the seed? The success of the seed has everything to do with where that seed lands. So I want you to evaluate your heart today. Where is the word of God, which represents the seed in this parable, landing in context and relationship to your life? Because the thing is, when we choose not to just hear it, not to just see the things of God, but to receive the word of God, we are accepting a life in Christ that will bear much fruit. I want to close us with John chapter 15, verse 4 to 8. Some of you probably know this scripture very well, but it says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branches cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in them bears much fruit. But guess what? For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire. You want to talk, this is a kingdom-minded perspective here because there's a real heaven and there's a real hell. And if we're not being fruitful with what God has given us, then we're given, we've given up and we should just be like sticks tossed into the fire. And that sounds so harsh, but this is what God is saying. Toss in the fire to be burned. Verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Abiding and bearing fruit is what it means to be a disciple of Christ. So I don't want you to go home and, and think about how much fruit you're bearing or or or, or, or what, just evaluate for yourself. But don't compare it with others. But know if I'm connected to Christ and to his great vine, I'm exactly where I need to be. Whether I'm still developing as a seed, whether I've grown a little bit, but I still haven't bore any fruit, or I've been bearing fruit, it's totally on you. Can we stand together this morning? All I got is a seed. All you got is a seed today. And although I wanted to give you a physical seed, all you got is the word of God, but that's enough. You may feel like all you got is a seed, but the seed you receive is the key to unlocking the great kingdom mysteries and to a God-fulfilled purpose and life. It has the potential to bear fruit and entirely change your perspective and the way you think, the way you hear, the way you understand, the way God was leading you to, to deal with other people in, in context of your life.